Hey, good morning, St. Louis, and welcome to Mind Games Radio, the psychology of performance. This is the show that examines the connection between our belief system and how we perform, and how we perform in a variety of the roles that we play in our lives. And what we like to do in our show is we like to talk with top performers to see what we can learn from them so that we can be as effective as possible in our lives. My name is Tom Mickler, and I want to welcome you to the show. As I said, the focus of our show is performance, and today we're going to take a look at performance from a little bit different twist. What's it like to perform when you're on the road, when you're out of your element, when you're out of your comfort zone, when you're going into a hostile environment, so to speak, as an athlete to play, when you're going to a foreign country, whether you're a business person or you're traveling for leisure, what do you have to do, what do you have to think of to maximize your experience and be able to bring your top performance? So that is the focus of the show today. I'm happy to to tell you that uh, Mr. Brian Kane joins us again today. Brian's become a bit of a regular on our show. Brian works with many of the top college programs, especially uh, with baseball programs across the country. And he's been on a couple times before with us in the past. So we're going to get Brian's take on what he talks with athletes about when they're traveling and when they're playing on the road. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. You're listening to Mind Games, presented by Cornerstone Mortgage on Ledoux Road. And we are back on Mind Games Radio, and I'm your host, Tom Mickler, and we are very happy to, again, uh, have Brian Kane join us on the show. Brian has joined us twice before today. Uh, about a month ago, Brian came on and talked about just the general approach that he uses with the athletes that he works with high school and college level in terms of helping them prepare from the mental standpoint for peak performance. And we learned a lot of great tips from Brian, a lot of great practical things, and it was very worthwhile for us to bring Brian back and talk about what Brian does with coaches to help athletes reach peak performance and for coaches to be able to perform at their best as well today. So without further ado, Brian Kane, welcome back to Mind Games. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Uh, where are you today now, Brian? Uh, today, I'm actually on my way. I'm in the car, driving up to Montreal uh, to go do some work. So I've, I'm hoping to you know do two things at once, which I don't like to do. I don't like to drive and talk at the same time, but I got the hands-free piece going, so we should be good to go. I'm excited to be here. Okay, good. Let's look at trying to do a couple of segments, and we'll let you get on your way. Brian, what I'd like to talk about today is your approach when you're talking with an athlete or a team when they're headed out to the road uh they're gonna they're gonna play some road games and and maybe they're going into a situation that is not the easiest place to play uh, maybe there's a history with a team or a place that they've played before and how do you help athletes and teams prepare for travel and performance for peak performance when playing on the road brian just take it from there well, it's funny you mention that, Tom, because I just happened to be uh, last weekend, uh, which was the opening weekend for college baseball, and I was with the University of Mississippi at the University of Arkansas for the SEC opener. And what an environment they have there in Fayetteville. I mean, there's 10,000 people, foul pole to foul pole, and they're oh. screaming at you and heckling you. And I'm sitting there <laughs> with a video camera taping routines, and I'm getting worn out, you know. So yeah. it made me uh, make up <laughs> want to turn around, you know, just because just they were saying stuff that was pretty funny, you know. And it, yeah. it was one one thing to uh, to be, you know, a support staff in that environment. But some of the things they were saying to the players, 
you know, just borderline uh, inappropriate. You know, mm-hmm. some stuff very inappropriate. And I think the key thing, whether you're playing in the SEC in front of ten or twelve thousand, or you're playing in a high school in front of ten or twelve people, uh, the process is the same. It's about what can you control. And the only thing that you can control as an athlete is what goes on between the lines. The only thing you can control as a coach is what goes on between the lines. Anything that happens outside of those white lines is outside of your control, and you cannot put an ounce of energy into it. Once you do, you're beating yourself. And so when you go on the road, you know, you've got to visualize and mentally image and prepare to be in that hostile environment and know how you're going to, you know, recognize that red light when a fan or somebody says something to you and have a release in place, whether it's, you know, undoing a batting glove or taking a deep breath or verbally saying something to get yourself back in the moment. And that's one of the things we really focus on with teams going on the road in any sport is being vocal. And because when you're talking as an athlete on the field or on the court, you're in the present moment and you're keeping your teammates in the present moment. So, you know, the more vocal you can be, the more you make that environment, uh, you know, comfortable for you because as you're talking, you're in the present moment and you're not necessarily focused on what's being said to you, you're focused on what it is you're saying to your teammates. Okay, so when you talk about being vocal, Brian, you're talking about just conversation uh, amongst the teammates, conversation between the coach and the players. Uh, That's the thing you're talking about? That's what you're referring to? Well, you know, for example, like in baseball, uh, we, you know, you get, you're on the field. You're going to get your everyday, typical, you know, chatter that you hear from Little League, the out of boys, the here we go, mm-hmm. those sort of things. Uh, I'm talking more about specific things that are that are you're going to say in a competition uh, about situational awareness. You know, hey, there's runners on first, and second. I'm going to if it's taking me to the side, I'm going to you know go to second. If it takes me to that side, I'm going to go the long way to first. Or from the dugout, even you know, having players say anytime there's a ball hit to the right side. They're going to say, get over to remind mm-hmm. the pitcher to cover the right side of the bag. Or, you know, if it's a basketball uh, game, anytime a guy dives on the floor, they might be saying skin or something like that, yeah. you know, off the bench, just to remind uh, and keep themselves as, as, as bench players in tune with what's happening in the game. You know, so that's kind of a communication system where, like, if it's football, uh, you know, it's going to be. Uh, you know, fullback. If it's if it's a mm-hmm. dive up the middle, or it's going to be you know, pass ball when a quarterback right. dropping back. Anything like that from a communication standpoint to keep the masses on the sideline into the game, but also just uh, your your everyday communication on the field or on the court that I think championship teams are doing. Okay, so you're talking about during the course of the game. How about before the game? Are there any things that, specific things that that players might do differently? And I appreciate what you're saying as far as. You know, it's still the same thing. Your your preparation is still the same. Your focus is still the same. You still have your same reset uh, methods that you use in, in your routines. Uh, as far as players talking to each other before the game, do you see that as something that, that they can use to help themselves relax and stay focused? Well, I think you, I think the process stays the same, whether you're playing at home or you're playing in a, in a back alley or you're playing in China. You know, and the mm-hmm. process is exactly the same. Uh, you've just got to always be able to adapt and adjust your process. You know, I think one of the mistakes people make is they get so stuck into a routine that they forget that the routine is there as the foundation, and then in performance, you've got to be able to compensate and adjust or adapt and adjust, as some coaches would say. So, you know, you're, from a time standpoint, you get there about the same time. Uh, you know, on the road, there's obviously more things to do in the sense of, you know, what I would call taking possession of the environment. So with Old Miss, when we go to Arkansas, 
you know, spending more time rolling bunts down the line to see how the ball is going to roll, playing a ball off a wall, getting used to any different, you know, corners there might be on a ball down the line or, uh, just visual backdrops, you know, making sure that all of your pitchers stand on the mound and throw a pitch in a practice situation at Arkansas before they ever have to get out there in a game so that when they visualize in the hotel where they're mentally preparing, they feel like they've been there before. Mm-hmm. So those are some key things I think you can do. You know, ultimately you try to keep the routine as similar as possible. So you're going to talk to the team and the coach at the same time. You know, you're going to review your signals the same way. Uh, and you're just going to remind your team that, hey, all we need to focus on is what we can control, whether you're going to say that at home or on the road. And what we can control is how we prepare and how we play pitch-to-pitch or play-to-play or possession-to-possession and let everything else that happens just take care of itself because mm-hmm. it's irrelevant to us. Do you have anything that you give to coaches uh, that you want them to remind their players of before they head out to the road? Where, where, where does the coach fit into all this? You know, I just reminded themselves that they need to be very specific and detailed in their routine so that when everyone's on the road, they know what the routines and the systems and the agenda and everything is. And, you know, Tom, the amount of teams I've had the privilege of being on the road with, it's amazing how many how different the itineraries are from the coaches when they go out. You know, and some down to, like, at 7.52 a.m., you will be mm-hmm. sitting in your chair. Breakfast will be served at 7.54. You wow. know, and some saying, get breakfast between 7 and 9. And I think, you know, it's not, it's not right or wrong, either one, but it's just being consistent with when you go on the road, you know, and not making it when we're in the, when the championship tournament on the road, it's 7.52, but the second week of the season, it was between 7 and 9. You know, mm-hmm. it's just keeping, keeping the same with your process and your routines. Um, but I think also as coaches... You know, from a preparation standpoint, you can give your players, you know, aerial photographs of what the stadium's going to look like. You can show them video before you leave your place to go on the road so they can see what that field's going to look like. Um, You know, they can better image themselves mentally being there. I think those are some key things. And, you know, one thing a hockey team I just worked with, uh, one of the things they've done, and I've seen in every sport do this, is uh, actually Cal State Fullerton did this in 2004 when they went from, you know, Fullerton out to Omaha and won the national championship, is they took a bag full of dirt from their home field, Goodwin Field in Fullerton, California, and when they got to Omaha, the first thing they did is every position player and pitcher grabbed either a handful of grass if they're an outfielder or dirt if they're an infielder or a pitcher and went and dropped it on the stadium in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And oh. it was it was symbolic of we don't need to do anything different than we do when we're at home and we just put the dirt from Fullers in here. So this is our stadium. They built that this place for us. Let's take possession of it and play Titan baseball pitch to pitch. You know, it's those small things that really make a big difference. I remember back in the first show I've had uh, a number of comments from people Related back to this first show, when you were talking about uh, making the transition to the college level and the the challenges of that and how people would tell you to relax, and yet you said, but nobody ever told me how to do that. And what a paradoxical situation it is that a coach can put a player into when they say just relax, and your, your one-word statement was breathe. I've had a number of people talk to me about what you said with that and how it was helpful for them so again you know some of these things that seem rather small seem rather minor but really do make a big difference don't they well i don't think there are any little things when you're in the pursuit of excellence and trying to win a national championship or a state championship you know and little things are big things i mean tom have you ever been bitten by an elephant before no i've not have you ever been bitten by a mosquito i have 
right? So sure. who does more damage to you in your lifetime, the little sure. mosquito or the big elephant, right? Yeah. It's all the little things. It's called the compound effect. It's like if you if you take a penny and you double it every day, okay, mm-hmm. after 31 days, you've got $10 million. Holy cow. And it, yeah, and if you, it, there's a great book out I recommend people read called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And that's just one of the examples. He says that most people would rather have $3 million up front right here today than have a penny that doubles every day over the course of a month. Sure. And what the compound effect goes to, to show is that the daily decisions add up over time. There are no little things when you're trying to be excellent, trying to separate yourself from the pack. Everything you put in your body, nutritionally, everything you think, every movie you watch, every day you have a practice, the people who you hang out with, the books that you read, all those things add up over time into making you the person and the competitor that you are. And you're bringing it back to the search for excellence and how that feeds into or does not feed into to that search for excellence. Let's take a quick break, and, and we'll come right back, and like I said, we'll get you on your way here. But uh, we're a very quick break with Brian Kane on 590 The Fan, KFNS, KFNS.com. Up with the sun, gone with the wind. She always said I was late you're listening to Mind Games, presented by Cornerstone Mortgage on Ledoux Road. And we're back again, again with Tom Mickler. Here's your host and Brian Kane, who's traveling on the road to Canada, taking some time to talk with us again today. Brian, you mentioned that uh, it's you know a lot of fun for you to travel with the teams that that you have a chance to work with, and I wanted to ask you how close you are able to get to to the actual situation, to the actual game, uh, and I'm wondering if you have an opportunity to spend a lot of time in the dugout during the course of a game with a particular team throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, generally my routine, Tom, when I'm on the road with a team is, you know, if I've, if I've been in there for a number of years and I've established a trust with the staff and with the players, I mean, a lot of times the head coach will just turn it over in the pregame talk and a lot of that stuff the message that you're sending to the team, they'll turn that over to me because they know we'll be on the same page, and obviously we talk about it ahead of time, but the players get to hear it from a different voice. And then some games, you know, I'll I'll be in the stands or in the camera wells videotaping routines and break it down with players that that night and the next morning in the hotel. Uh, But a lot of times I'm also in the dugout, you know, just just like a player. They're on the railing or just like a coach. They're on the railing and, and watching the game and teaching the game with players I'm standing next to in the dugout and coaches. And ultimately my role when I'm in the dugout is it's always as a teacher and mm-hmm. if I see something you know that I think coaches should be aware of and the timing is right obviously uh, there's you have to pick and choose your times because they're trying to win a game sure. and win pitches you know so you've got to have some feel for that uh, but I'll, I'll you know I'll say hey did you see this or do you see this right now this guy's rushing his routine because there's a runner on second and third base and we got to get him to take that you know deeper breath and slow down and stay in the present moment you can see that he's in red lights or I'll say that with you know with, with players, I may pull up you know all the hitters in the dugout who, who are not in their you know hitting routine and being on deck or whatever, and I'd say, hey guys, let's walk in here and let's let's watch this at bat together, and we're going pitch for pitch. I'm, I'm in the live classroom there in the dugout, saying let's watch how you know uh, Brian Curvin locks in on his routine here mm-hmm. and see what he does pitch to pitch and see if he releases, and they're kind of there able to see what I see. Um, but that's that's really you know the the classroom for me is when we're at the field and I, my role as a teacher is to try to teach as often and as much as I can uh, without being annoying. If you have a sense within the dugout that the team is tight, the team is tense, maybe they've made a couple of errors, they're coming back from being in the field 
and that feeling is permeating. That perme uh, that feeling is uh, is not leaving the team. It's just it's something that's hanging in the air. Will you will you address that on the spot with the team in mass? Yeah, I, I will on occasion. You know, if, again, if the time's right. I mean, ultimately, I try to you know give the keys to the mental convertible per se to the head coach and try to executive coach them to feel that and see that and have them address the team and then I'll give them feedback on that I try to remove myself and give the power to you know those who are going to be there every day but if I see something you know, I may call up a team and say hey you know usually the two words you'll hear me say are so what mm-hmm. and if you get to, if you get a chance to follow you know the University of Houston baseball right now they're like 18 and 4 they just beat the University of Texas. They're 28th in the country, having a great season. And Todd Whitting, their head coach, I've worked with since 2006 when he was assistant at TCU. And if you go to the Houston baseball webpage, after every game, you can read his comments and see the video interview uh, of him being interviewed after the game. And almost every single one of his comments, he says, so what? You know, mm. Whether they got, they got beat up by Baylor or they beat Baylor by 10 runs, he's going to say, hey, so what? we got to come back and play the next day. So ultimately, you try to create that culture where you know, if, if an umpire's call or an official's call doesn't go our way or the other team is on a run or the crowd is getting after you or anything happens, a player gets injured, you know, the statement is, are we that bad of a team and are you that bad of athletes and coaches that everything has to be perfect for you to win? And they mm-hmm. always say no. Always say, well, so what? Let's get back and win the next play or so what and get back and win the next pitch. Always keeping your mind in that moment going pitch to pitch or play to play until, until you run out of time or run out of innings and see where you fall. Brian, one of the things that you talked about in the Mental Conditioning Manual, uh, one of the books that you've written in the uh, Masters of the Mental Game series, is the idea of segmentation. And, and what this is about, as I understand it, is making the transition from your day-to-day living and your personality and your identity into that of the player. Does that become more important on the road? Or I'm anticipating you're going to say, hey, it's the same no matter where you're at. But are there some players that really need to to dig into that a little bit more to help deepen their focus? And segmentation, again, you know, you're that, I think your wording might be is as you leave that locker room, you become the bounty hunter, you come back into the locker room, you become the Boy Scout. But are there some players that need a little bit more of that? Yeah, well, the challenge of being on the road, Tom, is that there's less distractions. You know, there's often less, you know, you you got less uh, of your friends around. Mm-hmm. Your family's often probably not going to be there. Your girlfriend or boyfriend's not going to be there. You're, you're out of your normal environment of living in your apartment or your dorm. So there's not as many distractions, so there's more time to get inside of your own head when you're in a hotel for 10 hours just sitting there with nothing to do until you go play again the next day. So... That mentality of segmentation and that, you know, you've got to be either the Boy Scout who does the right thing all the time, first class, you know, polite, or the bounty hunter who's, who's the butt kicker who's going out there, you know, to, to perform with a little bit of cockiness, a little bit of arrogance, and that, you know, big, big, uh, oh, I say this the right way without getting myself in trouble, <laughs> that ultra-aggressive mentality, you know, sure. and then you've got to be the artist sometimes, and the artist is the one who just has to paint pictures with the things that they have and make things happen, you know? So you've got to kind of know where you need to be when you need to be there. So, you know, we talk about segmentation and how do you separate from being a student into an athlete? Separating from a student into an athlete is a lot like an hourglass. And you have your routine where when you show up, let's say uh, the game's at 1 o'clock and you're leaving the hotel at 10. Well, at 9.30, you know, maybe you you jump in the shower and then you put on your, your uniform. And then you got your headset in and you make your way down to the bus. 
and then you get on the bus and you drive to the stadium. And when you get to the stadium, before you get off the bus, you turn your phone off and you take your headphones and you put them in your bag. And then when you're in the dugout or on the sidelines, the last thing you do to click from Boy Scout to Bounty Hunter or Brownie to Bounty Hunter is you lace up those spikes. Mm-hmm. When you lace them up, you lock it in and your mentality is in as a bounty hunter ready to go to battle. And then when the game is over and you undo your spikes and you undo your shoes and you knock the dirt off of them and then you take off the uniform and then you jump in the shower and you wash away the game and you put your street clothes back on, you use that as a process to let go of the bounty hunter and come back to being the Boy Scout. And, you know, nowhere do you see that portrayed as beautifully as in mixed martial arts and the Ultimate Fighting Championship and that whole you know, segmentation or what I'd call transformation routine of them going from a, a very nice human being into a warrior who's got to go step in the cage and hurt somebody. Well, and one of your protégés, uh, George St. Pierre, uh, I think exemplifies that pretty well as far as the uh, current welterweight champion in the ultimate fighting champion uh, arena and George's recent victory over, Vic, over Nick Diaz. Congratulations, Brian. I'm sure you had a part in that as far as his mental approach, but he was one of the examples you used along with Chad Cordero as far as uh, that transition and in, in that segmentation. So, uh, George, I think, uh, you know, really, really exemplifies what you're talking about there, obviously. Brian, you were on the road a lot yourself. What have you yeah. learned to do to maintain peak performance for yourself? Great question. Um you know, it's really, for me, it's, again, it comes back to having a routine. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, you've got probably, depending on what time you get up, you know, you've got uh, somewhere between maybe an hour to or half an hour to two hours where that's kind of my time to take care of myself. And then once I get picked up, I usually go back, you know, I make it picked up at 8 a.m. and I don't get back to the hotel until 10 o'clock at night. And in that time frame, my phone is off, keep me in the present. Uh, and, you know, at that point, all the emails and phone mails and text messages and everything are building. So my routine is typically wake up at 6 a.m., uh, you know, have a, have a protein shake that I bring with me everywhere I go by Labrada Nutrition. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, they're, they're a sponsor of mine. They're fantastic. And that way I don't have to go hunt for breakfast. I just, I take the shake, I take the supplements. I go and I either, uh, you know, work out in my room with a TRX, one of those bands that goes over the door, mm-hmm. or I use the hotel fitness center. And I work out for about an hour. Uh, and at that point, you know, if I'm uh, feeling it, I'll listen to, you know, some books on tape to try to uh, educate myself continually, which I try to use that as kind of my power hour, not only get in better shape physically, but also mentally. And then I'll go back to the room and just make sure I pack my bag and shower and have everything I need for the whole day. And then let's say I get picked up somewhere between 7.30 and 8, and then I'm grinding with the team from 8 to 10. When I get back to the hotel, often the first thing I'll do is I'll get out of my uniform, I'll jump in the shower, I'll put on my sweatpants, I'll sit down at my computer, and I will hammer through emails and try to play catch-up from about 10 to midnight, <laughs> uh, and then I go to bed at midnight and wake up and do it again at 6. So, you know, it's a re- routine that repeats itself, and, and yeah. you know, I'm probably good with it 80% of the time. There's times where I get caught, uh, sure. you know, just getting outside of my routine, but I'm able to recognize it and get back to the routine uh, more quickly, and you know, I haven't done this now for 10 years. I'm obviously a lot better at it now than I was when I was just getting started and, and, and stay in that routine to be at a peak performance uh, level a lot more than I was early in my career where, you know, I might go out till midnight with the coaches mm-hmm. breaking it down instead of saying, hey, i to get back at 10 to make sure I'm ready to go tomorrow. Right. A uh, little bit of age helps as far as yeah, the wisdom, age, doesn't age it? Age experience, yeah, for sure. Right. Hey, Brian, we're going to let you get on your way. Thanks so much for, again for, for joining us on Mind Games, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're back with us in the near future. It's been great. To have you become a part of the show, again, your information is practical to the point and very helpful. So 
We always appreciate the time that we get from Brian Kane. Brian, travel safely, sir. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. And for anybody who's listening, you know, if they want to follow me on Twitter, it's, it's at Brian Kane Peak. And if they go to my website, which is BrianKane.com, uh, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com, they can check out, you know, my books and, and also sign up for my free newsletter, which is, which is cool because then they get to hear from me, uh, you know, via an email, you know, maybe at least once a month, often more than that if there's current events and things going on. Um, you know, anything I can do to help people out to, to get to that next level of the mental game, I'm always looking to do. So thanks for the opportunity, Tom, and make sure that you absolutely dominate the day. Absolutely. All right, Brian, travel safely. Have a good one, man.